My prayer this morning, Father, is a simple one, that you would give me a heart for your word and a word for our hearts. Amen. Raise your hand if you work hard. (laughs) Raise your hand if perhaps you joined a lottery pool this week and we're hoping to divide one billion dollars with your friends at work. What? Only two of us? Three of us. Okay. I participated and you had you had those dreams like if I win. Now there were 60 people in our lottery pool at work. So after taxes we would have only won if we were the only people about 7 or 8 million dollars each. Sad. Right? But we, we were all dreaming this week about not having to go to work. And they said, Madison, why do you participate in these? I thought pastors didn't gamble. I said, I am not going to be the only fool here when you all retire. <laughs> right? Wouldn't that be awful? The school wins and the only teacher left is Madison. So that's why I participated. But we didn't win. Well, we all work hard. And I want you to think about this. What we think of as a hobby, Peter, Andrew, James, and John had as a job. They had to get up every morning, very early in the morning, before the sun came up. Was anybody up that early today? Four of us were. I, I need you to know that I still go to the gym, and it opens at 7 now, but I get out at 6.21 to get there. And the last three weeks, the guy who opens the gym wasn't there. And all week long, we have been bothering the manager, and he promised that we would be able to get into the gym at 7 a.m. this morning. And we could. They left the door unlocked all night. There were no gym employees at the gym. One guy went over and he checked the door. He said, look, it's open. So all the 7 o'clock people on a Sunday morning went in. When the guy showed up to the gym who actually gets paid to open up, he had this wide-eyed look like, how did you all get in here? Well, and to be fair, because Vicky said, really? I said, Vicky, if you get out of bed before the sun comes up to go to the gym, you do not have mischief in your heart. You're going to the gym to do what you need to do and then leave. So yes, there were about 20 people and they were on treadmills and ellipticals and all the weightlifting machines. There was no mischief, but these fishermen got up every day before the sun came up to go fishing. They threw the nets over the side of the boat. They dragged the nets in. Then they had to sort out all the fish, which meant they smelled wonderful when they went home from work. True story, my dad worked at a place out uh, in Bensalkin called Sandy Mac Farms. You may remember it. They made ham. And on Thursdays, they selected two gentlemen to finish the Canadian bacon. The Canadian bacon would have been made into that, that long sausage shape. And then they would literally have to put liquid smoke on it so that the skin would have that nice Canadian bacon smoky flavor to it. The problem is whoever got chosen to put the liquid smoke on the Canadian bacon for the next week smelled like Canadian bacon smoke. Darn if, and if my mom was here, she would say it's true, darn if 
my dad didn't get picked every Thursday that I had a concert at the high school as a kid. And I was in the choir, I was in the madrigals, I was in the jazz band, I was in the band, and I was in the orchestra. I was a, a, just a slightly musical child. And my poor dad would have to sit in the very back of the auditorium with his hands down low like this, and you could see the people going... <laughs> now, it is not a bad thing to smell like Canadian bacon. We all like bacon, but it is not a good thing to smell like Canadian bacon at your kid's recital. And these poor guys got up every day, did all this manual labor, and then they went home smelling like fish. And Jesus comes to them, and he says, like we talked about in the children's sermon, in the imperative, this was not a choice this was a command. Follow me. Now you may have heard this story, but let's try it again. There was a bricklayer in the early 80s, and he went to his wife and he said, I want to give up my job as a bricklayer. True story. And if you know anything about bricklayers, they do fairly well, supported his family well. And he said, I want to become a professional bass fisherman. And... Mentally, he assumed a fighter's stance because he knew it was going to be a rough discussion with his wife that he was going to leave his solid, pun intended, bricklaying job to pursue a career as a professional bass fisherman. To his surprise, his wife said, let's go and supported him in this transition from a job that was stable to a job that was a dream. Could it happen? Could it work? Well, recently he made as much as $800,000 a year as a professional bass fisherman. He wound up 20 years after he started the journey with his own show on ESPN. His name is Denny Bauer. He went from one job, drastically changed it to another. Jesus is asking the same thing of the disciples and of us. Are you willing to leave the stableness of your life right now for the risk of following me? I've had trouble preparing this sermon, not because it's not a, a great passage upon which to preach, but because the message that I feel God has laid on my heart is not an easy one to say. I want you to imagine something. We've, we've been talking about January 31st, 2022 as our goal. And I was really convicted this week that that's not the goal. The goal for the people that we know and love is not to plant their butts in church pews. It's to celebrate eternity with them in heaven. So here's the good news. My grandmother, when she was 13, played cello in the Baptist Church Orchestra. She loved the cello, she loved the orchestra, and they got a new pastor. The new pastor said, Emma, I need you to join the church. She said, why? He said, well, you can't play in the orchestra if you don't join the church. She said, I have to be a Baptist to play the cello? He said, well, that's our rule. 
And my grandmother turned her back on the Baptist church at the age of 13 and never went back. When I got ordained, I, I was ordained as a Methodist. You know, the big ordination service is in Ocean City. My grandmother asked if I would stay with her. So I went down to Sea Isle, stayed at grandmom's, and she was very proud and she would come to church if I was singing or preaching. But if I wasn't singing or preaching, she wasn't coming. Grandmom had a life-changing aneurysm and uh, was unconscious for, for many days and was just coming out of consciousness. And my mom said, you need to go see Grandmom. So I went to see Grandmom in my collar, her, her freshly minted new pastor grandson. She looked me in the eye and she said, it's time. I said, time for what? She said, you know what? And I got to lead my grandmother to Jesus. She was 88 years old. Think about that. She left when she was 13, and 75 years later, she came back. So that I know that when I get to heaven and I gather my loved ones together, grandmom will be there. I was only 16 when my grandfather died. But I know because I knew the pastor that led him to Christ when he had cancer. I know that my grandparents are going to be in heaven with me. We talked last week. I know my children are going to be in heaven with me. I know Vicky's going to be in heaven with me. I, I keep a running list of the people that I want to have over to dinner at my mansion. We're going to be there for eternity. That's going to be a lot of chicken wings. <laughs> Maybe I'll have my rotisserie, I don't know, but I'm looking forward to having a party. And I've been really convicted this week that it's not just to get them here, but it's to get them there. Well, some of us have forgotten how to fish. You say, really? I say, yes. Remember when you first made a decision for Christ and your heart was on fire and you wanted to tell everybody about this wonderful thing that happened? And over the years, that fire sort of turns to embers, coals. It's still there, but it's not quite the same ferocity that you had when you first came to know Christ. Vicki and I had the opportunity to uh, sit on the shore of the Gulf of Mexico. Now, if you're listening online, you're thinking, that was a wild transition. Stick with me, it'll make sense. We were sitting on the Gulf of Mexico, and there were pelicans. I've never really seen pelicans, and we watched them. We watched them actively for the several hours we sat on the beach. And they hover, 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 and then they just dive down, and they come up sometimes with nothing and sometimes with a fish. And then you get to watch them swallow that fish whole, which is really cool. They sort of toss their head back and swallow the fish. There was a group of fishing boats. This is a an example, not what Vicky and I saw. There was a group of fishing boats, and at the end of the day, they would throw all of the fish parts they didn't need over the side of the boat. And the pelicans found out that they could just hang out and wait for the fishing boats, and they didn't have to fish. And the fishing boats would throw the fish parts over, and the pelicans would eat, and the fish parts were gone, and the fishermen were happy, and the pelicans were happy. And then the fishermen found out that they could sell the fish parts, 
And they stopped throwing them over the side of the boat. And the pelicans waited. And they waited, and they waited, and the fishermen finished fishing there, and they went off to a different place, and the pelicans waited. And the, the rangers were very concerned because the pelicans were wasting away. And then one of the rangers figured out that the pelicans had literally forgotten how to fish. So they went and they found other pelicans that still knew how to fish, brought them and incorporated them into that flock, whatever you call a flock of pelicans. And by watching these new pelicans fish, the pelicans were saved. We sometimes are like those pelicans, aren't we? We have forgotten how to fish. Now, there's another problem that the church has, and they assume that since Wiki and I are the paid professionals, we are the fishermen. Well, pastor, it's your job. And they will say to a pastor, no one has said it to me here yet, but maybe you think it after church on Sunday when you're having roast pastor for lunch. Why aren't there more people? He's not doing his job. Well, it's all of our job. Some of us have forgotten how to fish. Some of us believe that we're paying other people to fish for us. We have surrogate fishermen. Wiki and I become the surrogate fishermen. Every now and then I'm walking into the gym and, you know, during the weekdays I go at 6 a.m. I get up at 5.21. And the guy says, how are you? And I say, I wish I could pay somebody to do this for me. Wouldn't it be, I would pay almost anything to have somebody go work on the treadmill, lift the weights, and I could lose the weight. Wouldn't that be nice if you could pay somebody to do that for you? Well, friends, part of the church believes that we're paying somebody to be fishers of men on our behalf. I want you to think eternally. Who do you want to have to your house for dinner for eternity. It's not just who we want to invite here. Now this is a little bit long, but I, I really feel that this ties up where I'm headed. It's called a plea for fishing. Now it came to pass that there was a group of people who called themselves fishermen. And lo, there were many fish in the waters all around. In fact, the whole area was surrounded by streams and lakes filled with fish. And the fish were hungry. And week after week, month after month, year after year, those who called themselves fishermen met in meetings and talked about their call to fish, the abundance of the fish, and how they might go out and fish. And year after year, they carefully defined what fishing meant, defended fishing as an occupation, and declared that fishing is always to be the primary task of fishermen. Continually they searched for new and better methods of fishing and for new and better definitions of fishing. Further they said, the fishing industry exists by fishing as fire exists by burning. And they love slogans such as fishing is the task of every fisherman. And they sponsored special meetings called fisherman campaigns and the month of fishermen of fish. 
and they sponsored costly nationwide and worldwide congresses to discuss fishing and promote fishing and hear all the ways of fishing as the new fishing equipment, fishing calls, and whether any new bait had been discovered. Large, elaborate, and expensive training centers were built whose original and primary purpose was to teach fishermen how to fish. Over the years, courses were offered on the needs of fish, the nature of fish, where to fish, the psychological reactions of fish, and how to approach and feed fish. And those who taught had doctorates in fishology. But the teachers did not fish. They only taught fishing. Year after year, after tedious training, many were graduated and given fishing licenses. And they were sent to do full-time fishing, some to distance waters filled with fish. After one stirring meeting called the Necessity for Fishing, one young fellow left the meeting and went fishing. And the next day he reported that he had caught two outstanding fish. He was honored for his excellent catch and scheduled to visit all the big meetings possible to tell how he did it. So he quit fishing in order to have time to tell about the experience to other fishermen. He was also placed on the Fisherman's General Board as a person having considerable experience. Imagine how hurt some were one day when a person suggested that those who don't catch fish were not really fishermen, no matter how they claim to be. Yet it did sound correct. Is a person a fisherman if year after year he never catches a fish and isn't following, is he? Followers of Jesus are fishers of men. Evangelism needs to be our purpose. It needs to be our passion. We need to be taught to be prepared. Now, the deacons and I are looking for a course because many people have never been instructed on how to share their faith. So we are going to have a fishing class, but it's not going to go on for years. We're going to learn, and then we're going to do. But we need to be prepared. You need to know the word. You need to read the instructions like we've been talking about for the month of January. I want you to hear this. God blesses those who do his will. We're going to be productive fishermen. What does productive fishing mean? That means we, in faith, put the bait out and trust that the Holy Spirit will make hungry fish. That's our job. We're, we're supposed to fish. God puts the fish in our nets or on our hook or whatever metaphor you want to use. We are called to fish. The Holy Spirit does the catching. We need to be productive. And remember the bumper sticker that says, a bad day fishing is better than a good day at work. Reminds me of two songs, one I sang when I was a little boy, I will make you fishers of men if you follow me. And the other one we were talking about the other night at uh, Praise Team, 
camp meeting song from way back. You might know it, you might not. The chorus goes like this. You bring the one next to you, and I'll bring the one next to me. In no time at all, we'll have them all. Win them, win them, one by one. That was written when the church was about the business of fishing. Jesus says, follow me. As was mentioned in the announcements, next week we're looking to collect the church covenants. I've been over the the list and, and what we're looking for. You've been praying all month about what God would have you do in relation to his word, in relation to worship, in relation to bringing people to hear the good news, the act of fishing, what ministry God might be calling you to do or begin in the church, and what needs that the church needs to do better in meeting for you. Again, the signature is optional. God knows who you are, whether or not you sign your name on the contract. Take two. One for you and one for us. Next week's sermon is going to be fairly short. I'll tell you in advance. We're preaching on the end of the book of Joshua. Choose this day whom you will serve. And then we're going to move right into the annual meeting. Because we used to serve lunch, but we're not allowed to do that anymore. So I will shorten the sermon so that we have time for the annual meeting. But ladies and gentlemen... Let's stop talking about fishing and catch some fish. Amen.